The following talk was recorded at Label the Planet 2021 Empowering Users, the annual conference on current issues in ethics, social justice and technology from the Free Software Foundation. Label the Planet is a live conference and speakers often use slides and other visual tools to assist their presentation. You can see the videos of these talks at media.libreplanet.org or on the FSF Peertube channel. Label Planet speakers do not represent the mission of the Free Software Foundation. We host speakers talking about their use of free software in different kinds of political and commercial work. The FSF supports their freedom, but does not take positions on any political issues other than those necessary to uphold the principles of free software. Like all the FSF's work on behalf of the grievance of all computer users, Nemo Planet is made possible by thousands of individuals. To keep our work going, please consider becoming an associate member via my.fsf.org join or making a donation at my.fsf.org donate. You can stay informed by subscribing to our newsletter, The Free Software Supporter, at fsf.org fss and for more information on LibrePlanet, you can visit libreplanet.org conference. And your life. Hi, this is Catherine Sutter, also known as DLib. I'm told that I do not have a moderator and will do a self-intro. Uh, you can find my description on the uh, schedule under speaker number 4906. The topic is informal chatter to formal decisions, how to. Uh, if you've heard my previous talks, I love talking theory and talking about democratic deliberations in the free software world and the importance for democracy. Uh, but what I've promised today is more of a uh, cookbook style, how to, or that question of bringing informal chatter, say on IRC or on some kind of etherpad or some other kind of um, meeting media, or even in person, where you're wondering how to make a formal decision out of it. <clears throat> Meanwhile, I'm not going to give up on theory completely. I'm going to tell you a bit of context before I show you these slides. And um, so apparently, I do not have control over the slides. Is there anything anyone can do about that for me? Should they ready now? Uh, they're not. Okay, now I see arrows that I can forward them with. Okay, so the first slide would be I'm going to, what I'm going to do with those slides is give you some really specific small number of steps that a group can go through. But what I don't have for you are the notes about why do this. So let's just put all that under the clarify process question. <clears throat> Context. So let's say you want to make a decision collaboratively, that your collaborators' decisions have an effect on you, that you're not completely independent, uh, or that, and they will probably be affected by your decisions. And you're needing to create a safe place for conflict 
because, for example, there might be bugs that need to be discussed. And if people don't have the ability to raise concerns and talk about the problems, then you're not going to be able to bring your intelligence together to the, to the group and really think together. So the context is a group of folks that <coughs> are willing to hear disagreement and want to work that out. So the kind of problems we face when we're trying to do this, in my opinion, is not hearing for whatever reason. Uh, often it's because of our roles being confused. We might treat other participants as mere users or consumers of a product and not uh, realizing that they're actually shareholders in a co-development process. Or we might think of them as uh, employees of a project who are there to be told what to do rather than being thought of as co-owners who have a vested interest in it working well. So participators are collaborators, collaborators even if informally. Another problem is having bots as bosses. Uh, so this is a contemporary issue. It's brand new in my lifetime and uh, it's probably developing rapidly even in yours. Uh, so bots are moderators, bots are conveners or hosts, uh, bots are as participants in a conversation, uh, only chiming up when they get triggered by a particular kind of vocabulary in the chat. Uh, and of course, globally, we have marketing analytic bots who are mediating our global communications in terms of your click behavior your purchasing behavior, the kind of vocabulary you use, the kind of sites you visit, who you follow. Uh, and what they're doing is just making sure they know how to predict your behavior so that they can better shape it. And they're, being, uh, they're there at the whim of um, those who will pay for their use. And so we have a fracturing of interest groups. So the people that you'll end up being grouped with, uh, if you just follow uh, your normal media feeds will be those who may or may not believe the same things you believe, but they'll have some demographic similarities with you. They go to the same places, they buy the same things. So an example, if you would like to read, uh, listen, or learn more about deep filter bubbles, um, I loved the rabbit hole podcasts on NPR.org. I think there were six of them or more in the series talking about the radicalization from YouTube just following some actual uh, <clears throat> uh, I won't characterize them but folks on YouTube who were getting split into radical groups because of their their viewing behavior and it's not just YouTube of course it's an entire marketing driven uh, internet communications protocols it's just what's going on <clears throat> so that puts users in ghettos uh, and it's uh, another way of uh, thinking about it in terms of vocabulary is it, it's one of the downsides of identity politics, meaning you're not making decisions together with your community based on bringing your minds together. You're, bringing, you're making decisions in your community based on who has the same identity. And so you, uh, you, you filter what you hear based on whether it's like you or not. So that's a big problem. So we're trying to go up against that and saying, no, actually, we believe that we come up with the best products through collaboration across interest groups. And, and we want to do it uh, to the best extent possible as a friendly and humane
practice. Uh, so we want to address those problems. Another problem you might have is that everyone's getting along fine. And you just wonder, okay, we're chatting, but how do we formalize the next steps if we don't have a boss making the decision? How, or if we are our own bosses, or if our boss is actually someone we hired who's wondering from us, you know, maybe we're a board of directors and the manager, the, director, uh, the uh, executive director is asking us what we want and we need to learn how to make a decision together to be able to delegate that easier, uh, that direction easier. So how to go from informal to formal. That's, that's one of the problems we address. Also, you might just find that, uh, well, I guess another way of saying it is that the chat is just not pro progressing to a decision. So what goals am I suggesting we're looking for here when I'm telling you about this how-to, you know, this cookbook method of how to make a decision together? Let's say your goal is, uh, and these are many different ways of saying the same thing, you want collaborative intelligence. We want to use the brain power of everyone involved and learn as much as we can from people's different perspectives. Uh, we want to deliberate across sectors. We want to avoid the downsides of populism where uh, the mere majority will decide what should be done, not necessarily what's good for everyone. Um, we want to learn something true, something sincere, and something appropriate to this context with people who are different from ourselves. And we want to create that safe space for conflict. Ta-da! That's the whole theory part. It, this all gives context to this, clear, this uh, set of cue cards that I'm setting up. Uh-oh, uh missed a part. Vocabulary. I'm going to talk here about facilitation. And facilitators are a little different from moderators, which you know we're, we're familiar with moderators on, on IRC channels and that kind of thing. Let's say, for just for this context, we'll say that moderators keep conversation moderate. Mediators put themselves between participants. Arbitrators are empowered to judge or decide. And facilitators make conversation more facile. I think that's French. More, more easy. So we're talking about how to make things easier and we're asking, because I promised in the description of this talk, something anyone can do. You don't have to be the facilitator of a conversation. You don't have to be the moderator. You don't have to be given specific power other than as a, a participant. And I'm going to go through these cards suggesting this is, these are the things you might be able to do to help. There are different kinds of questions you can ask, and that's the main goal I'm going to talk about here. All right, so now for the slides. Clarify process. This is the first step. What process are we going to use? I just told you I'm going to, my process will be that I will tell you a bunch of stuff, and I'm going to use slides to do it, and I believe you understand that at the end there'll be questions uh, gleaned from the IRC if there's a moderator to do it at that time. So uh, these cards were created so that you can download the PDF, which will be the PDF slides that will come with my talk when it's recorded and made on, uh, available, hopefully. On one side, it says clarify process. And on the back side, it has uh, what the facilitators notes. So imagine you're sitting in a room and you're holding this card up. And these are the, these are the cheat sheet notes of what you're doing when you're clarifying process. So when you're clarifying process, you want to be asking about the context. You want to tell people 
um, this is what we'll be doing now. Uh, here will be the rules of engagement. Uh, here are, these are the questions to ask when you're clarifying process. What are our roles? Uh, what are the rules of engagement? Uh, how will a decision be made? Um, and you might be told, actually, we're just going to hear a presentation now, and that's all we're doing today. We'll be meeting another time to discuss it, uh, what have you. Also, remember that context is also about what language are we speaking here? Um, uh, do we expect everyone in this audience to be from the East Coast of the US and, and familiar with this fast pace of, uh, of, of communication? Or uh, something I believe we're guilty of, I'm guilty of, and I believe that uh, Libra Planet has been also, is uh, being too fast for international English speakers who are uh, a huge part of the free software contributors. I'll, I'll think of more context things. Uh, context is also about appropriateness. What are, are the rules, uh, the roles of each person? Is there someone in the room who will make the decisions? Is there someone in the room who will present and everyone else should be quiet? Are we just uh, participants? Is there a language skill that we should have in order to understand what's going on here? All these things are part of clarifying process. The next thing is presenting. We'll say, uh, okay, uh, you know, in, a, in an abstract sense, anytime you're speaking, you're presenting. Anytime you're showing something to someone, you're presenting. Anytime you're present, you're presenting. But in this case, we're talking about a group of people all deciding that they're going to pay attention to a presentation. And in this case, we're saying that someone is speaking and has something to tell us. And if she doesn't, if he doesn't, it's helpful as a back of the room facilitator to ask questions like, um, will you be, uh, what was the problem you were trying to solve here? Uh, what was the context, how, what got you there? Uh, what do you think we should be learning from this? What were other uh, solutions that you considered that you didn't take into account? And notice that none of these questions are judging in any way. They're all about helping the presentation be the best presentation it can be. And in fact, you'll find people will get flustered that they're not used to being uh, listened to so well. And they'll actually feel, feel gratified, but um, they'll, they won't realize how much they had to say. You're really pulling things out of people and making sure that the people around you are understanding what's being said. So some of us like to ask questions. And even if we know the answer, if we believe other people in the room aren't getting it, we might ask the question that will help the presenter understand what they need to explain better. Right. Clarifying questions. Ah, I, uh, I cheated. And I was talking about the presentation. Basically, after the, the presentation, that is when you'll be asking the clarifying questions, not while the person is speaking, clearly. So this is the moment where self-control is needed, where speaking to the point is important, because 
this is not a time to tell the speaker what you thought about some aspect of what they mentioned. It's not even the time to tell them about a problem that you know of, even if they asked you for problems. Clarifying questions really are just the kinds of questions I was just speaking of a moment ago. Helping the presenter really get the material out in a way that gives people everything uh, they need. And also you'll find that it helps pr um, participants know whether in fact the way they heard and what they heard that they believed was obvious, uh, they might learn that other participants heard it very differently. And uh, so asking other people, uh, to, what did you think that was about? Or did, did that sound familiar to you? Was that what you were expecting? Leading questions, especially if you know the other folks and know uh, some reactions they might be having, giving them an opportunity to speak up and ask their questions about what's going on. All right, it's not really open discussion. The next step is not really about saying whatever you want, just opening your mouth and boarding out stuff. No, you mean something kind of specific here. After you've really found out what the person was trying to say and what the full proposal was, open discussion is about the broad context of the problem. Um, just understanding that there was a problem here and having it be interesting that, the, that they've been working on it. Um, that this discussion might set a precedent for the long term in these particular ways. Um, it might say, I think you're really on to something and maybe even praise some aspects of the topic. And again, you're, it's not just talking at the presenter. This is people talking with each other to help share with each other what they believe is obvious at this time. And there's no disagreement. This is a sharing. The next topic is listing concerns. Now we get into it. And this, believe it or not, once you've done all those other steps and you've helped people get to that point in understanding of what's being proposed, um, you can ask people to just plain list the problems and refrain from solving them. Just list them out. Some solutions might be a sentence long. As a facilitator, you know, if you, you might understand over time which questions, just how to answer them immediately. But in general, what you're trying to do is get a list of all the concerns. Because as once you start diving into a particular problem and trying to solve it, you've lost the thread of the purpose of the conversation, which is to make a final decision. And you're not going to make a final decision if you're spending your time just talking one tiny detail. So you can help a group do this by asking, uh, do you have any more concerns? Are you sure? If no one spoke, if someone has not spoken yet, ask, actually point blank. What do they think? Have, did they notice any concerns? And when it seems like it's all done, asking for concerns again. What you're trying to do is list them and get them out. And you might find people wanting to word them differently and refine how they're worded. That's fine. group engaged, like a brainstorm. 
don't defend the proposal or react to it. The speaker, the person who presented doesn't need to feel attacked here. This is just a logical part of a group thinking together is raising all the possible issues, even if they don't think all of them are important, just acknowledging. In fact, if someone acknowledges to me that there might be a problem that they don't think is a problem, but they realize I might, I feel heard and I'll stop feeling defensive right there. You know, so there, there's a real uh, value in listing the concerns before you ever get to any kind of conclusion. Now we start the work of actually trying to address the concern. And now we really are glad that we learned in kindergarten how to sit on our hands and not raise our hands and talk until we we're called on and, and asked to contribute because one more time we're going to have to wait. Don't try to solve all the problems here. This is called clustering concerns. We're going to look at the list of all the kinds of issues this proposal might raise and then say, here are the types that are might be technical issues, these marketing issues, these might be uh, real location issues. You know, whatever the problem is, it'll have its own categories. But the point is, is that you're coming up with um, grouped concerns so that when you do start talking about the details, you'll be able to address all of those in that group together. And I know this sounds like a lot of detail for some simple discussions, but believe me, when you've done this a number of times, conversations and decisions go faster because you're pulling out the issues first before trying to jump in there and, and punch them out without truly understanding what they are or what impact they're having on each other. So I have some facilitator notes like on all of these slides on one side, uh, one column, and the other column at the back of the slide has uh, group uh, instructions. The facilitator and the group work together to group related concerns. Look for patterns and relationships between concerns. It's still not yet time to resolve or respond to them. Patience. A lot of patience needed here, folks. And if you're uh, someone who's had a lot of privilege because it's your project, you've always been able to make all the decisions, now you're having to listen to other folks, this is the part where it really is useful to sit back and let people do this work. You don't have to worry about them making a decision you don't like. You already have that power. All you have to do is work on the, on the biting your tongue, uh, listening carefully, and not just preparing what you're going to say next, but pay attention. Ta-da! Resolve a concern. So the last, this last step here is not about resolving all the concerns. This is about resolving one of the concerns. So you've, you've created a cluster of concerns. Let's say one of them is, uh, are we going to use GitHub or GitLab? Um, and there are a number of issues that, uh, that resolve on that, so that uh, circulate, you know, rotate around that question. And so you just talk about the GitHub versus GitLab questions. And you use self-control, and you use listening, and you use careful language, and you resolve that one. And when you come up with a decision to, on that, you ask, do we have a decision on that? And if you do, um, good, check it off, write it down, 
and keep a note of who it was that was there that said that they were willing to move forward on that and the next step of, uh, but we can't really move forward until this other person who wasn't present is also here and can hear, uh, look at all these wonderful notes we have about unpacking this whole issue and all the thought we've gone into it and see what they think. And they might have something to add that you didn't know about and they might, and they're likely to be very impressed with the work you did. So, I think that's need to be. So what is a consensus? So let's say you've done that um, and you've got a consensus on how to work out certain parts of those concerns, but you don't have them all addressed in order to really move forward. Well, um, and then what you'll do is just, it's iterative. You go, okay, here's a new problem. We need some proposals on how to solve this. We might not be able to do it in this conversation. Have someone go off and come back and tell us what they think we should do for that. But let's say you do feel like you're ready to make a decision of future action together. Basically, it can come down to the question of, are there any unresolved concerns? Sometimes people will be exhausted and they won't uh, want to bring up any more concerns here. So I've been in groups where you just say, are there any unresolved concerns? No, okay, it's decided, click. Or gavel, uh, or whatever it is you do, your little ritual, a handshake when you know you've made a decision. But uh, sometimes just asking for unresolved concerns is not enough. You have to actually say, okay, then we've decided this, and here's where we're going to write it down. So, what is a consensus anyway? So, a consensus doesn't mean that you agree on everything, it doesn't mean that you're unanimous. It doesn't mean that uh, we're all together happy in a little basket. Consensus means consensus, thinking together, con, like connect, senses, like all of our senses, both feeling and thinking. It means that we've thought this out together. We've connected our different minds together and put them to work on this problem. And it looks like here's a good statement of where we're at on this. And sometimes your consensus is, we all want to solve this problem. We have concerns that the, the problem might not be defined correctly. Uh, and we certainly know that here are some list of issues, uh, concerns that will need to be addressed before we can solve it. But we agree that we do think it's important and that uh, possible avenues are these. That might not sound like a big decision, but believe me, if you can get that done in one meeting, you're making a lot of progress. And if you can't get any of this done and it's just iterative, it's the thing, it's the glue that'll bind you together and make decisions that will stick, that will help people move forward and feel like they've gotten somewhere and stop the, the grind of continually rehashing the same things because uh, no decision can be made. I have a, a web address at the bottom. I am not the full creator of these. This was a group project back in 2009 for FreeGeek. And, but it's available and you can use it when you get the PDF. I hope I have not been talking to myself and that other people are hearing me because I do not have IRC open right this moment. I'm going to look and see what's up. Uh, moderator, what's the story? Chatelain, uh, everybody's listening to you. We are hearing you. Don't worry about it. 
I'm starting IRC so that I can learn what folks are talking about. Because I'd like to pause there. <laughs> Thanks, Samson. So I'd like to have some discussion. Uh, just throw something at me, and we can talk about it. Gentlemen, do you hear me? Hear me. That's a very quiet audience, or everyone's just uh, listening to someone else. Do you hear me? I can hear you, El. All right. Uh, sorry for I had a microphone problem. Uh, uh, well, they are hearing you. There are questions that I just stacked up for you. If you'd like to, uh, I can hear you. I think it would be better if you read them to me because of my situation right here. Uh, yeah. Sorry for uh, the latency. The, uh, That's okay. Computers. Okay, uh, vagrancy, I suppose I just uh, pronounced it right, has this question. Uh, this sounds <laughs> useful uh, for things like bug reporting, but uh, any suggestions for how to keep the spirit of the, this process while uh, still reducing the round trip time of sending emails back and forth for each step? Ah, interesting. Very good. That's a very good question. Uh, so let's say that you've gone through those steps enough times or studied them and picture going through them or listened or to other people doing it enough times. So you've kind of taken it in as an ethos. Then when you're responding to an email, you can recognize things like is this a brainstorm or people just throwing out ideas? In that case, a good response is to make sure it's listed and uh, ask if there are any more ideas, right? Um, so it doesn't mean you have to do everything by every single step with many emails. The point is that you're doing a lot of emails anyway. So it's helpful to picture where are you in this decision? Are people just chatting about a problem and kind of sharing ideas and concerns and that and there's no real proposal on the table? Or is there a proposal out there? Another thing, of course, to pay attention to is when there are problems, when there are disagreements about how to uh, move forward on something, which way something should be done, you could remember the differences between uh, I'm going to move the slides back to something more um, like clustering concern. Remember, there are different kinds of challenges, uh, and conflicts can be of very different types. So if, the, the, if people are arguing about the facts of the matter, there's no need to be calling names, right? or deciding what the rules are here. You, you just need an objective way to, to validate the facts. And you know, those, those ways are findable. Um, if people are uh, calling each other names or are, uh, suggesting that someone's not acting in good faith or saying they don't believe someone um, or uh, 
those are uh, trust issues. And so to resolve a trust issue, you have to go with history. You know, there could be folks who know uh, the background of the speakers and where they're coming from and can say, uh, no, this is, I don't believe this is coming from, you know, an, an effort to, or you can even say about yourself, this is not coming from uh, anger towards the project. I, I'm making the suggestion because I believe the project would be better uh, suited with this solution. So basically these are, those kinds of trust issues are about uh, who is the speaker? Where is this information coming from? Can, is there a history of appropriateness, of its sincerity? Can you really um, look that person in the eyes or read what they're reading and say, um, I believe this person is in good faith, even if they have some of the facts wrong, which might not be really the issue. It might be uh, just a question of uh, where is this coming from, right? And then the last one, of course, is appropriateness and context, the rules. Um, maybe the conflict is not about the facts and it's not about trust. It's because this is the wrong place to be talking about that issue. It's disrupting what you're trying to do. And there are other avenues for addressing that kind of problem. And people can be either directed to those uh, ways of doing it or to those uh, times and places or to those lists or to that other project whose uh, design decisions have made an impact on yours, but you can have no, you don't have the ability to change. Um, you want to see where is the challenge? Who, who is needed to address that kind of trust issue or that appropriateness issue or that fact issue? So I guess that's my long-winded answer to, yeah, but what about long-winded emails that are going back and forth? Um, that these things can be just thought of as something that's happening all the time. Well, Catalan, if you like to, there are uh, more questions. Uh, either you can have them now or at the end of your uh, presentation. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have anything more specific. I wanted to say I do want to hear the question. Go ahead. All right, cool. Okay. All right. Uh, Omsai asked, uh, well, I'll read it directly. Uh, love the presentation. Uh, I never thought about separating all these steps to go from informal to formal. What are your thoughts about the effectiveness of uh, asynchronization versus synchronization, synchronous communication, applying all these steps towards consensus building? That's the question. Uh, well, the easy answer, which might not be the best answer, but the easy answer is a lot of work is needed because uh, this method, the way I know it best, is in person-to-person -person meetings. Um, so what I say now is just my general sense of how it, of the pros and cons of email versus chat. Um, in both cases, the written word has the problem of being more formal, even in very informal situations. So the power behind words is much greater. You can't, uh, you know, on the East Coast, here's an example. I remember in New Jersey, the East Coast, among uh, Mediterranean communities, you know, hey, I'm gonna kill you, you do that. You can't, in that context, those folks know they love each other, they don't mean I'm gonna kill you. But when you write that down cross-culturally, it's a death threat. You can't do that. So that's a problem with written information in general. A positive thing about written meetings 
is that you can go back over it, you can reread it, and for many people who get very confused in social context, they can look through written text and decipher it and analyze it, and it's uh, much more clear, and, and you're able to be more thoughtful before you respond. That's very, very helpful. Uh, a benefit of uh, of synchronous chat is that you can get a sense of the flavor of how someone's doing today in this mood better than with an email. An email might have been written over a month period or it might have been written fast in fury, um, whereas in chat you're more likely to be able to, to share those quick emoticons or music or, or uh, facial expressions, especially with video. Um, so I don't have an answer really about uh, which better. I'm just saying that there will be some positives and, and, and benefits and, and problems with each. I actually, but oh, but a call for um, help on this. I'm not very active with it, but I did create a GitLab uh, communications training project under my username dlib. And uh, there's a wiki there where I'm hoping to share information of this sort, like the, this slide deck, for example, and ideas of how to train people in communication. So that might be a good place to discuss uh, how to move this kind of thing from face-to-face -to, -face to, uh, to written and mediated communications. Next question. All right. Uh, thank you for answer. And uh, another question from uh, a politically uh, named uh, attendee, uh, Save Lisp or Die, asks, uh, how small <laughs> of a group, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny, really, just good name. Uh, how small of a group My is son is a Lisp uh, developer, and I wonder if that's him. I won't ask. Well, I, I'm not going to just snitch, really. Just, I'll ask the question. Uh, how small of a group is too small for this process to work effectively? What differences do you notice or are uh, relevant at uh, different scales? It often has more to do with the experience of the participants than it does the group size. But some obvious differences in a small group. Uh, in a room of 20 people, it's helpful for someone to hold up a sign that says cluster concerns, right? Um, or, or list concerns or open discussion. But if you're talking to one person, it would be rude to hold up a banner telling them with big words like this what to say. Uh, maybe it would be a helpful exercise if you're having really hard communication with someone and they're willing to try this exercise, <laughs> being reminded what to do with these signs. But um, obviously, that, that would be off-putting in most cases. Um, but seriously, folks who have learned to do this in groups of people who can see each other face to face around a table, uh, who, I have an anecdote about that. Um, a fellow who was experienced in consensus decision making uh, was asked to be the president of the ACLU. And this was back in the 40s or 50s. I interviewed him when he was very old. Uh, and they used Robert's Rules of Order. And he said, I 
I can't take this job. I can't be president of ACLU because um, I don't use Robert's rules. I don't know how to do that. And they said, well, what do you want to do? And he, did, and he explained. And so they came up with a compromise, which was he would bring the group to consensus and then they would vote. And after some period of time of doing this quickly, when people learned how to do it, they decided it was taking too long and they wanted him to stop asking for the vote because they already knew what the decision was and they didn't want to waste time on vote, voting. Um, big, I, the first time I saw a formal decision like this uh, being done was in a group of some three, 400 people uh, in an auditorium when the spotted owl was first made, an endangered species, and uh, Carolyn Estes, a famous facilitator who helped found the, uh, facilitating the meetings that formed the Green Party in Oregon. Um, I saw her go through a process like this with that large room and uh, using things like when something had to be thought out in detail without people coming back weeks later, uh, people got into small groups either by interest or by the people near them. They did their brainstorming on it. They brought that forward. There was a lot of discipline talking and thinking and decisions were made that had impacts on activist community for years to come. So uh, it's more of an ethos of how to listen and how to think together and how to create a safe place where people can disagree and open and share. So I, I think there'll be changes in your, in your exact methods, but the general overall order of events can stay fairly consistent in small or large groups. Thank you very much for the question. Uh, I hope it's you were done, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, okay. I should have said. Okay. Uh, so uh, I suppose some people couldn't find the wiki that you mentioned. Uh, so they're asking in the IRC. So perhaps after your uh, presentation, you may go there and just uh, give them. The I don't know if it's open. It's a. Uh, this is the Debian. Uh, uh, I believe the it's salsa. Debian dot. Debian dot org. And then you look, I would, uh, you can look under users. I think my name is more distinct think, than the name of the project. I think somebody found it and just posted it there. Oh, thank you. Uh, okay, so that, that problem solved. Uh, okay, uh, well, uh, I may ask you uh, as a personal question. Uh, so uh, I have a, a, a free software uh, community over here and we are actually taking this uh, discussions and also uh, having a decision unanimously quite seriously. So sometimes it can be a dead end. But uh, what I uh, realized that sometimes some people are actually influential in a circle. And so it, they can sway their, uh, the group's uh, ideas and decisions uh, quite a while. But uh, that can, uh, for my, uh, from my perspective, that can be uh, counterintuitive for the group's interest. Uh, what would you think about that? Um, we're social animals and we make social bonds with people and some members of the group will have deeper, better, more beautiful, scarier, I don't know, whatever, different kinds of bonds. Uh, and so communications will always be uh, mediated by those kinds of human connections. There's no way around it. How you use it in your group uh, is another question. So there are often in diverse, so-called diversity uh, uh, discussions, 
advice given uh, to people to understand why some people might not be heard, you know, institutional reasons or personal issues or what have you. Um, and those discussions are full of suggestions about how to take in account the different communication styles of different folks so that even if you're very popular and have people agree with you often, um, you'll find that you'll have a more solid group if you look for those individuals who are not speaking and ask them what their truths are. Uh, and in fact, people who do that will become more influential in the group because people will trust them. Of course, it can be manipulated that way too, right? You could pretend that you care about people and draw them out so to find out what's going on and not really try to help the group. So openness is important. Um, but leadership is a real thing. Uh, leadership isn't bad. Uh, you can lead uh, from the back benches, like I said, by asking good questions. Um, and your group, if you feel that your group is taking advantage of parts of its brain that are laying dormant or understand if the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, then you want to use techniques to help uh, compensate for that. But that's all for that. That's all I had to say for that one. Okay. Thank you very much for your answer. Uh, it appears, uh, everybody, thank you for your uh, present, uh, presentation. And there's not much uh, questions that I can see if there's uh, none coming up now. So uh, that's it from the uh, folk. So, uh, hey, thank you, everybody. I, I had more media. I had more ideas what I was going to do. But uh, I'm glad we, we did it. We got this done. Uh, talk to you all later in IRC. We still have five minutes uh, if you like to. Otherwise, uh, you can, uh, we can uh, go to IRC room and uh, we can prepare the room for the next speaker. Okay. Uh, I'll go see what's going on in the Jupiter IRC. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you very much for this lovely presentation. Really be appreciated. And uh, see you next year, we hope. I want to see you. I want to see the audience next year, maybe. I hope. Bye-bye. We hope to. too.